You are listening to Social Media Decoded, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners simplify social media and thrive online. We provide actionable information that you can use and see results. I'm your host, Michelle Thames, and let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Social Media Decoded podcast, the number one podcast to help you understand social media better so that you grow your business, get more clients, and monetize. And today, I am excited because we are talking to a new friend of mine all about course creation and launching courses. I know there are many listeners here who would love to launch an online course. This is a really great way to make passive income. And so I brought my friend Gemma on today and we're going to break it down for you all about course creation and creating a lifestyle business. So welcome to the podcast. So excited to chat with you today. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. I know me and you have really similar journeys to where we started in healthcare and ended up moving into marketing and the creative entrepreneur space. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I was, you know, thought I was going down this um, like more academic path in public health. I was working a nine to five doing kind of like public health admin type stuff. And, but always needed to like have a creative project on the side. So it was during that time I launched a blog, which like feels so funny to say now, feels so old school um, that I launched a blog and it was about home decor and like DIY projects. So my husband and I had bought like a fixer upper house. And so I was sharing about that. And I really fell in love with creating content, building an audience, kind of like figuring out both content marketing and just digital marketing in general. And monetized it, you know, with ads and brand deals and affiliate marketing and even launched my own like store. So I had like an e-commerce kind of side to the blog. And it was around sort of 2016, I'd had, I had just had my second kid. There's like nothing like the fire that's lit inside you when you have like young babies at home. And you're like, I have got to just make this work. I like did not want to go back to my nine to five job. I really wanted to, the blog had been making me money, but not like enough money to, um, it was definitely what I would consider like a side hustle. So I decided to launch my first course. I won't tell you all the other things I tried to. I feel like I tried like 17 different businesses, Um, but I launched my first course. And of course it was about blogging. So I was teaching what I knew and it's not like it was a runaway hit right from the beginning, but I made a couple thousand dollars and I was like, felt like I hit the jackpot. I was like, okay, this is like, this has potential. I love it. I realized like creating curriculum and teaching and working with students was so up my alley. And I just kept pursuing that, putting one foot in for like in front of the other. Within about 18 months, I had done six figures from my course sales. And eventually a couple of years later, ended up pivoting away from talking about like blogging and e-commerce to talking about courses because, you know, as your business evolves, like my audience had seen me through that journey and they were like, okay, Gemma, like we get the blogging stuff, but like now we want to know how you've done the course thing. And so it was around 2019 that I made that shift and I've been doing it ever since. And I love it. We've worked with like over 8,000 students to date through my paid programs to help them 
either launch their courses or scale their course businesses or help them in some sort of capacity. And yeah, I love what I get to do every day. Oh, I love that. So awesome. I have a bachelor's and a master's in healthcare administration. So we are definitely connected. Yeah. And the same, like, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And you're right when you have a kid. So anyone who is listening, who is a mom, we are moms here. You know, I have a lot of moms on the podcast because we want to show you that it can be done. And I did have that fire lit and said, you know what? I can try this new thing no matter if I get fired at 30 years old because we think, you know, of course, you're 30. That's the point of your life. You're supposed to have it all together. But at that time, I was starting over going mm-hmm. to a new thing. And so I, I'm so happy that you shared that to show people we have these kids. We get that fire lit under us. And we're like, we have to do something. We have to move move something forward for our, our family and our future. And that's such an awesome story. And I love the evolution as well. Like you said, sharing that with your audience so they can see that and be able to relate to that too, to understand they can create courses as well. So great story. And I'm so glad that we have that connection as well. I want to talk about having kids and running a business as well. So Many, many listeners, I'm sure, have children, and we find this very hard to juggle everything. So how are you able to juggle the business and also um, having two young kiddos at home? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really built this business out of the nap times. Like that was, those were my work hours. Uh, So I think part of it was that because I was confined to very limited hours from the very beginning. It was like I was set up to build my business within certain boundaries. And so I was actually just talking about this with someone the other day where, you know, some people start their businesses, let's say before they have kids or just a different time in their lives. And they're able to like put their foot down on the gas so hard and like hustle in a really big way. And they think to themselves, okay, I'm going to do it like this until I hit a certain goal. And then I'll be able to chill. But what they don't realize is like they're building a business based on a model that requires that intensity and they'll get to that goal place and realize like, oh, I can't take my foot off the gas anymore because otherwise everything will fall apart. Well, when you build your business based on a model where you only have two hours a day or whatever that looks like, you have to be really intentional about what you're choosing to spend your time doing. So I had to be really ruthless about really focusing on the activities that brought me a return on my investment. And even today, like I'm not on TikTok. I like, I don't do YouTube anymore. Like I have to make decisions about keeping to my lanes and keeping the focus where it needs to be. And so, yeah, I think like those are kind of my, that would be like my biggest secret to success is saying no to stuff so that I can say yes to the right things. And always putting um, the right metrics first. So like I care more, to be totally honest, about like my gross revenue than I do my vanity metrics of like how many Instagram followers I have or how many podcast downloads I have or how big my email list is, you know? Yeah, like it's got to be about gross revenue and, and your profit margins. And so I think the more that you look at that stuff and like track it, If you even just take one thing away from today and it's like on a weekly or monthly basis, you're going to do some data tracking in your business to see exactly what's happening and see it in black and white, you're going to be a much better decision maker because you'll be making decisions in your business based on those numbers and based on that data versus like kind of emotional decisions, right? 
um, and you'll see faster growth. You just gave us a masterclass right there with all those gems that you just dropped. Gemma dropping gems on the Social Media Decoded podcast. No, I definitely 100% agree with you. I agree that not every business model is the same either. And like you said, some people may start when they don't have kids and are able to do much more. Like you, I started when I already had a child. I had a, It was a kind of a side hustle before, but once it's a full-blown business, that's a totally different thing. And you're right on the money when you said the analytics. And another thing you said was not worrying about the vanity metrics. I think mm-hmm. so many people... We look at that follower count and the like count, but that's not what matters. What matters is those conversions. Are you converting people from Instagram? And I love how you said you're not on TikTok because I was feeling so bad. Like I have a hundred followers on TikTok. That's not my platform. Like mm-hmm. for real, for real, my platform is this podcast, Instagram, and my email list are holding me down like no other. So I got to hunker down on what works. So what I heard you say was we have to hunker down on what works and the rest is we can come back to that. I mean, if we want to put Pinterest in the strategy or LinkedIn, but you're you're going to burn yourself out when you're on too many platforms and you can't really see the growth and the growth revenue, the gross revenue from those platforms. So thank you for that because that was oh that was a, that was a masterclass. I'm just I'm really excited because you're speaking my language. You're speaking my yeah, language. and I think it's like giving people permission, right, to not have to be everywhere or do everything. And even with my business where it's at now, it's you know it's grown so much in the last few years. And you would think like, oh, well, Gemma can just like have a team and do all that stuff for her. But to be totally honest, it still uses up a lot of my time. If I have a team doing things for me, I'm still involved in it. And it adds overhead to my business. And like, I like to keep my margins looking real good. (laughs) And I'd rather not like, if it's working for me the way it is now, why add complexity and overwhelm to, you know, the machine? 100% 100% agree. Small but mighty team. And I, d- I still do have to do work every day. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. Low overhead costs. If I was to have an office, I don't have an office. Everything is completely online. If I was to have an office, that would be more. I have to pay lights there. I have to pay for furniture there. And so that's not an expense at this time that I'm willing. And so I want the overhead costs, like you said, to be as low as possible. So those are some things that we have to think about. Even with running an online business, course creation, all of these things, you still have to think about this. So I'm so glad that you shared that as well. I want to dive more into course creation. So if we are starting out, we may just be starting out with our courses. What are some things that we can think about? I know many times it's, oh, the tech, the tools, what will I actually say or teach? And I heard you say that you taught something that you already knew, that you knew that you had proven results. So how do we get started with course creation? Yeah, such a good question. I think it's it's more simple for the folks who are already running one-to-one service-based businesses or whether like they're offering services or they're doing coaching or like working with clients in any capacity. Usually those business owners have a fairly clear sense of like, okay, I can teach whatever it is that I'm helping people do, but in a one-to-many capacity instead of a one-to-one capacity. So that's a really easy transition and a really easy way to just like add a new stream of revenue to your business. So as an example, one of my students inside my communities, she was like, a she's a birth doula. She worked with parents one-on-one to prepare them for labor and delivery. Well, she created a course, right? So that she could sell that to a um, 
way bigger number of expecting parents um, and from all over the world, not just the city that she lives in. So it just really increased like her business in a huge way when she did that. So that's a fairly obvious transition into being like a course creator. If you don't work with clients in a one-on-one capacity yet, then I'm going to encourage you to think about what are the things that you're doing today that you could teach someone else to do? What's like a transformation you've had or a problem you've solved or something that you have skills around? Whether you're looking at, sometimes it's like your more formal or academic skills or learned skills that you've created inside of like a job uh, or workplace. Other times it might be just like skills that are really innate to you. Uh, or something that you've learned on your own. Blogging for me, that was like totally a self-taught um, thing that I figured out over you know half a dozen years and then felt really comfortable teaching that to other people because I had that learned experience. And so I would sort of do a an analysis of like what it is that you're really good at and and what people come to you for cuz usually there's like clues in there. I remember I um it was like based on something I think I'd read in a book. But uh they encouraged you to write to like 5 or 10 of the closest people in your life and ask them to write back your top 5 strengths. Because what's interesting is two things. Number 1, we tend to downplay our own strengths and not really recognize things. So people will say things that maybe are a surprise. But the other thing is, is that you'll notice themes. And when I did that exercise, there was like a couple of strengths that like everybody mentioned. I'm like, okay, like that's, there's a clue there um, that I should be like tuning into. So that was just kind of a fun uh, exercise to do. The next thing that you really need to think about though, if you're thinking about like, okay, what am I going to create a course around? What am I going to sell? Here's a really important tip. It's you forget like defining your target audience or your niche or like whatever that is. I feel like so many entrepreneurs talk about like create your ideal client avatar. And I get that to a degree. But when you're going to launch a course, what you really need to identify is what's the one problem you're solving for people. And if you can get really clear about like, that one problem that your course is going to solve, your marketing of it and like being able to attract students into it will be so much easier. And I don't really care if, you know, it's a woman between 25 and 35 or a man who's 75 and they have no similar like hobbies or interests. None of that really matters if they're struggling with the same problem. You know what I mean? So that is a really important thing to do early on if you're thinking about launching a course. Again, so many good gems. And I, I like that about the not niching, just really one problem that you can solve mm-hmm. to help them with. I think that that's really a really, really good tip because there are so many. And I mean, I even say, you know, you should know your ideal. But for the course portion, yeah. I think that that's really good to know. It's because the course itself, right, it's it's for anybody. But you're solving that one problem that they have and you can expand your reach to so many more people. I love that. Yeah. And the other thing is people sometimes get really big at first about the problem they want to solve. So here's an example. Let's say you're a real estate agent and you're like, okay, I want to teach other real estate agents how to do what I've done. So they're like, hey, I'm going to teach real estate agents like how to grow their business. Well, that's really big. And there's probably like so many components of 
how you grew your business as a real estate agent that you'd have to go through. And it just doesn't even feel that tangible for someone who's looking to buy that program from you. Versus, let's say you're a real estate agent and you have utilized Instagram really well in your business and you land a lot of, I don't know, first time home buyers who like are looking to buy their first home. You land a lot of those clients on Instagram. Well, how about you create a course that's like, the problem is like that you're going to solve is here's how to get, you know, 20 new first time home buyers on your roster using Instagram every single month. Well, a new real estate agent is going to be like, yes, that sounds exactly what I want to be doing. And they're going to purchase that course. Plus it's going to be so much easier for you to like structure and teach because you're teaching one really specific problem. Does that make sense? So much sense. So much sense. Good. I'm look, I'm over here nodding. I know they can't see me nodding, but everything that you're saying, I'm <laughs> nodding in agreement with because I definitely think that that is such a great tip. So I want to talk about marketing this course because of course, now we have this course and we have to market it. We're on a few social media platforms. Give us some best tips to market your new course or is there a specific way that you like to launch your course? I know some people do like to launch it before it's actually completed to mm-hmm. see if people really want to buy the course. Oh yeah. So I am definitely in that camp. Uh, we, I always encourage my students to have a founding launch where basically we're validating the idea we've got, we've put in the work of like crafting the course prototype and everything we're going to teach in it. We've put together like a really hot sales page You know, there's lots of work that goes into crafting what the offer is going to be, but we haven't sat and recorded those, you know, videos or like built it all out yet because now we want to go to market. It's kind of like using the Kickstarter idea, right? When businesses use something like Kickstarter to gauge, okay, is there interest for this like weird invention that I want to create? They get a bunch of people buying on Kickstarter and it gives them like, the seed money basically to go and get that product made. And then they can grow it into a full fledged business from there. And that's kind of like what we're doing with our founding launch. And I'm pretty old school in a way with my launching. Like I have tried lots of different things. My students have tried lots of different things. And to be totally honest, time and time again, when we come back to a very simple methodology of typically we have like what's called a pre-launch period where you're like getting people ready. You're sharing a lot of content. You're growing your email list. You're getting really visible. We have an open cart day, which is usually when I encourage people to do a webinar, which is some sort of like workshop training. People need to get a sense of a, what you're like as a teacher, but also like that, you know, your stuff and it gives you an opportunity to pitch your program. And then you have like an open cart period of like maybe seven days, maybe 10 days where you're really talking about the program, getting those founding members in. And then we close cart and then you go ahead and build it out with those founding students in real time. And it doesn't mean you have to teach everything live, but it means you're going to drip out the lessons week after week for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever that looks like. And that's generally the methodology that we use. And it doesn't really matter if you're like on Instagram or TikTok or have a podcast or have a YouTube channel or whatever strategies you're using right now to grow an audience. You're just going to lean into whatever those are, plus your email list. Like I'm a big believer in your email list. And frankly, if you don't have 200 subscribers on your email list, then you shouldn't launch a course. Like we got to work on building that list first. 
because the vast majority of your founding students are going to come from that list. I am a big believer in email lists too. They are yours, right? That email list is your list and social media isn't ours, but I'm so glad that you said using what you have. I like to call it my digital ecosystem. Maybe I have my podcast. I'm going to send some emails. I'm going to go live on Instagram. I'm going to do all of these things. But like you said, within a period, and I'm just like you, I'm old school too. I like to do the close open launch, it works. I've tried challenges. I really love those, but those are those can be time consuming too to show mm-hmm. up live for like three days. But they work. They work really, really well. But it's so many different ways to launch a course. And so, like you said, find the way that works best for you. I think you have to test a few ways, just like you have to do anything. You have to test and see what's going to work and see what people are going to be interested in. That's why it's really good to validate your idea before you start to even create the course so that you're not disappointed in the fact in the case that no one actually is interested, which has happened to me before. So it happens. It happens. So it absolutely happens. The other thing that can be a really cool, um, almost like a little test before you launch that new offer or your ha- if you like have an idea of something you'd like to offer is to do a survey and you can do that through your email list. Just use like Google forms. It's free. You can also replicate the survey questions on, let's say like Instagram stories or something like that. But by doing that, you're really going to dig into what is it that your audience is struggling with, give them a sense of like the program you're planning on creating. You can ask a question like, hey, I'm thinking of launching this thing. What would make it a really easy yes for you? Like, and then see what they answer. And having some of those open-ended questions, not only are you going to A, get the people who are raising their hands, right? If no one fills out the survey, then you can kind of be like, er. Like, not sure that this is quite the right idea to be like following, but if they do fill it out, well, then you're getting their exact like thoughts and words around what it is they're really looking for. And you can kind of customize what you're building to suit where your audience is at. Ooh, that was a good gem you just threw in there about that survey. That is a good one. I definitely agree with that because you want to survey them and they'll tell you what they want. And then you can say, okay, this is like you said, if no one fills it out, it's like, oh, maybe they don't want that. And if they do, you can move forward with it. So that was a great tip. I love books. And so this part of the podcast segment, before we head out, I want to ask you, were there any books that helped you along your entrepreneur journey that you would like to share with the listeners here today? Maybe they're thinking about starting a course, or maybe it was something about just general you know, starting a business. Um, what are some of your book recommendations? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. And I feel like I should have thought about it beforehand. <laughs> I'm going to like miss some of my favorites. Um, it's like when someone asks you your favorite movie, and it's like, oh my God, I can't remember one movie I've watched. But there are a few books that stand out. So number the, one of the ones that I liked was called um, Atomic Habits. Can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it, but it really helped me build a fairly structured rhythm to my day and like how I operate in my business. And for me, creating solid habits has really been transformational, not just as a business owner, but like in terms of my personal happiness and well-being too. So love that book. I remember really loving the Jen Sincero books at the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey. It was like she wrote all those badass ones. I can't remember all the titles. You now, are a badass of making money. You are a badass. And then I think you are a bad. It was another one. It was a blue book. Yeah. Like, there was like three. Yeah. Three yes. of them in the series. And I think for me at that, at that point in my business and what I was trying to build, like I needed the confidence and that those books just, 
They fueled me with that. Yeah. Just like a motivation and a confidence that I needed at that point. Cause I wasn't, I didn't have five years experience to like look back on or a ton of client testimonials or whatever it is I needed the boost. And so I remember those being like really great at that time. I'm trying to think of any others. I've read so many books about like team management and stuff like that. And none of them have really like landed. I think sometimes you can read that stuff, but ultimately you just follow what makes sense for you in terms of how you want to design your business. Um, I'll tell you one or one book I just put on pre-order and that is Laura Belgray's new book. I don't know if any of if you or any of your listeners follow her. She writes the funniest emails. She's a copywriter and her emails are amazing. Uh, she has a really simple business, which I love. She like has a couple of her own digital products, but they're very low key. And then she does like affiliate promotions for other people. And she wrote a book called Tough Titties. <laughs> and it's like not terribly business related, but I think it's more about like her as an entrepreneur living in New York City and like her funny stories. And I can't wait to get it. Um, so that would be like the next one on my bookshelf in case anyone wants a funny read. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. We always need something funny. And yes to the Jen Sincero books. And so many people loved Atomic Habits. You are like mm-hmm. the seventh person to probably say that book. And the author is James Clear yes. of that book. So that is like that is a really, really good book. Like yeah. you should everybody should have that. I'm looking at my book over there right now. The other one actually that just came to mind that I read last summer was Rachel Rogers' We All Want to Be Millionaires book. And not that there wasn't necessarily lots of stuff in there that was terribly new for me at that. Cause I was fairly um, d- like I'd been doing my business for quite a few years at the point of reading that, but it reminded, I remember one thing that really reminded me of was like surrounding myself with the, the people that emulate where I want to go and just building a bit more of that network and community, which I think sometimes can be, we put our blinders on when we're building our online businesses and we just like, are doing our thing behind our computer screens. And it reminded me to like, yeah, do a bit more of that networking and community building, which was helpful. Oh, that is a good reminder for all of us. Get that community and networking in because it is important. You could do it online and offline, but now that things are opening back up, we want to definitely get out and network because it is so important for our businesses. This has been a really great episode. Thank you so much for sharing all these amazing gems. But before we head out, would love to let the listeners know, where can we find you? And if you have any goodies or amazing things that we can check out all about helping us build online courses. Yeah, sure. So because you guys are all obviously podcast listeners, if you wanted to come over and tune into my show, it's called The Course Creator Show. Obviously, it's all about online courses and digital marketing. So um Tune into some of those episodes. If you want to come say hey on social media, if you want to tag us in, you know, an Instagram story or something, let us know what you enjoyed from this episode. I'm at Gemma.bonhamcarter. I know it's like a long one, so hopefully we can put it in the show notes or something. And then if you want to go further on this idea of like how to launch a course, how to do that founding launch. I often talk about like making the first 5k with your program as that validation launch and then kind of building it out from there. I do have a free training all about that. And so it's Gemma forward slash class. Again, hopefully we can put it in the show notes.
Yes, no, we can absolutely put all of that in the show notes so you can check out the amazing goodies and definitely check out her amazing podcast. I know I'm going to roll on over there and check out a few episodes as well. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing all the amazing gems that you dropped today. This was definitely a masterclass and full of so much valuable information. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. And we will tune in and talk to you all in the next one. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Social Media Decoded Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in into today's episode. I hope that you got some gems. If you got some gems, make sure to tag me on Instagram at Michelle L. Thames and share those gems with me. I cannot wait to talk to you all in the next one.